the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. the Staff and Grab Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens. This is future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. And we have a little bit of, we're inside the family today. We have a guest, uh, you know, out in, out in New York. Um, I'm, are you, are you actually in New York or are you? I'm in Brooklyn. So I think that there you count. go. Brooklyn, yeah. you know, he's just never sleeping and all that, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's great. Um, it's Johnny Lazarus. Johnny, how are you doing? Welcome to the THN family. This is, the, we're stoked. We're happy to have you. Yeah, Mike, Rachel, uh, really happy to be here. It's been a fun uh, like week and a half so far. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool for me to just talk to, you know, somewhat of peers as, as players. You know, obviously, I know a lot of the guys in the league and stuff. So it's cool to, you know, maintain that friendship, but also have the uh, professional and, and personal level of like telling their story. So it's been a, a really fun 10 days. It's been a dream come true. And just sitting in the press box at MSG, I mean, looking over yeah. center ice, there's there's nothing better. I mean, I, I would come sleep on. there if I could. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the MSG, like I would go, there would be sometimes when I worked for the Devils, there'd be sometimes where I'm like, you know what, I think I want to go watch the Rangers play just for like scouting kind of stuff. They have the best vantage point in the league. Like mm. that press box is awesome. So like you're, let's do like a, a fast five. So you're the new THN reporter for the New York Rangers and everybody's got to get to know Johnny. So where are you from? I'm from Syosset, Long Island, like smack in the middle. Uh, 45 minute train ride to New York city. Um, you know, born and bred there. Solid. Okay. Favorite fast food. Oh, Taco Bell. Easy. Cheesy gordita crunch. Yeah. It's my weakness. There you go. Easy. hundred percent. Yeah. Go to drink at the bar. Oh, okay. It depends on the vibe. Uh, if I'm at like a, you know, if I'm at a bar with just the guys, it's obviously just a beer. Um, if I'm trying to get wasted, it's tequila on the rocks. And if I'm trying to do a mix, if I'm trying to do a mix, then it's a, a loaded Corona, which is a Corona with tequila on the neck of the yeah. beer. Oh my like the, god! Like the tequila sunrise. Yeah. Corona. You, you get a little. You, you get a little tequila in the neck, then you toss a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of grenadine in there. Mm-hmm. Grenadine. Oh, man. Yeah, a little, just a little bit, just for some color, so it looks like uh-huh. a sunrise. You know, what are you, Michael I, Scott. <laughs> exactly, hundred so, percent. Fun fact: we we have a my fam has a, a place in Mexico, and my sister's boyfriend came down for the first time, and he wanted to like show that he could drink with us. The mm. man ordered eight tequila sunrises in the span of like three hours, and like he was dead for three days. <laughs> like, <laughs> just want to let rachel's sister know that i would be able to handle that much alcohol oh my god okay so speaking of vacation what's your favorite vacation spot oh i honestly like i haven't really gone on a lot of vacation Um, right i yeah i like anywhere i've gone has pretty much been for hockey um okay so you guys need to come to mexico with me we just need to do like a a thn party at my place yeah rachel look i've been your friend holy smokes there's like a crime going on outside (laughs) right now I thought it was outside mine. It's so loud. Look, it every I, I my apartment is like down the street from like a which is great, like a homeless shelter, and which is which is lovely. Like I'm I'm extremely happy that um you know that we that we actually it's one of our final 
social services that hasn't been gutted by mm. our disgraced mayor. Um, the only downside is that like three times a day, mostly when I'm only when I'm recording podcasts, there's like <laughs> sirens that go down my street. So that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rachel, we've we we're just sitting here waiting for the Mexico invite. So, well, I'll, right. I'll give an answer. I won't cop out. I'll, okay. I'm honestly going to say like I, I went to Disney like twice yeah. as a kid and I, I haven't been to like, you know, the Harry Potter world or, or like any of the updated uh, you know, Epcot stuff. I would love to go there again. Oh, you got to do if you, okay. So if you do this, there's this thing called drinking around the world at Epcot. I've heard, yeah, that yeah, sounds you, right up my alley. You got to do that. And then the final final question: Who was your favorite ranger growing up? Assuming that this you like the one. rangers. Yeah, uh, it, for me it was Sean Avery, and uh, you know I I wouldn't say I played anything like him, and and you know obviously his personality now is you know escalated in hockey, but. I really just loved what he did to the crowd at MSG. Um, you know, it was always like a show and, and that's always like, you know, the reason why I loved hockey, like, listen, I, you know, I love playing and I love the skill guys and whatnot, but whenever you were in MSG and Sean Avery stepped foot on the ice, like the crowd just started chanting his name and, and you just were on the edge of your seat waiting to see the next thing you do. Like my dad even, you know, took me to the game when Avery was on the Dallas stars, his first game back at MSG. And mm-hmm. like, even that game was a show. Cause you know, he was stirring it up with everybody like Dubinsky, even Valaket and warm up, like, you know, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Like he was a showman. And that's, uh, you know, that's the reason why I definitely uh, uh, love Sean Avery growing up. The thing, the, the thing about Avery, he's a, like, I loved watching him play because I'm a smaller guy. I was, mm-hmm. when I played hockey, I was pissing everybody off and getting suspended every game and stuff like that. It was great. I wasn't like that at all. Just to be clear. I just, neither was you know, I. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. I was, I, yeah. I did play like Sean Avery and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed him. But the thing about him is like, if he had, He's another one of those guys, and I guess Jeremy Roenick is, is the second one, where, like, if he had just been able to, like, not be a lunatic for a little bit, like, just turn the lunaticness down, he would be perfect for, like, media after his his, his playing career. Mm-hmm. But he just can't – like, he just couldn't keep it together, you know, being a normal person, and now we can't take him seriously. But, like, man, that – he was – he came at a time where, like, there was no personality in the sport at all. Yeah. Like, I remember that time, and he just was going balls first into everything, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was great. It was really hard not to love him. Yeah. And then, really and then he him. took it like, you know, then the sloppy seconds thing and then all that, yeah. you know, it just, but you know, any, any guy who pisses off Martin Broder, I'm a big fan of, um, mm-hmm. especially with the rule and any guy who like is such a troll that he forces the NHL in the middle of a playoff series to institute a rule, which usually has to take like, you know, the Illuminati to meet and like get together and, and push so forward. Like a full to, board I of governors that. meeting. Yeah. I was at that game. I was like, Oh yeah. I was oh like 20 God. rows up behind that net when it was going on. And me and my dad were like, what the f- is he doing? I don't know if I could curse on here, but uh, we we're like, what the F is he doing? You know? Um, yeah. It's it was, great, it was wild. Yeah. That is absolutely. So, okay. You love Sean Avery who I, I agree with you guys. Like I think, if he could just turn down like the lunacy mm-hmm. a bit, like would be super cool in in sports media. And I feel like there's almost this. It's like a different thing when you're New York, New Jersey, less so the Islanders, but it's like a, a there's always this player that has like this personality that that gets the has the gravitational pull uh, to get the fans in in New York. So like, how did you get into covering hockey? Because you obviously played. You played at UMass, mm-hmm. right? I played my freshman and sophomore year at UMass, and then my junior and senior year at Mercyhurst. So I got all the, yeah, I got all the jerseys up. Yeah, they're all up there. That's I actually that a, that's a Lindros up there. That's a Lindros. Oh, throwback. Yeah. Um, you, dude. You know, if coach so, had put you back in in state, you guys would have won. You know, <laughs> what I'm saying. 
Uh, so I got into covering hockey. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like almost everyone else, right? You, you, you love playing. And then once you realize your playing days are coming to an end, it's like, how can I stay involved? So mm-hmm. I thought about coaching, but you know, I'd done juniors and done the traveling and like the unstable lifestyle. And I was like, do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Like probably not. Uh, cause coaching is so hard. And, and even when, you know, you're an assistant coach in college or you get to the high level, like you're still on the road scouting all the time. You know, um, right. actually, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but the Michael Scott quote, I really wanted to play in the NHL, but I wanted a wife and kids. And someday I hope I have a wife and kids. And he's like 40 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny. But, um, you know, I, I always thought that I was able to like, you know, I was a personal guy in the locker room and, um, you know, I'd started like interviewing like teammates and stuff just like for fun, like team content. And, uh, I always thought I was good at it. So I just kind of wanted to teach myself how to podcast, how to edit, how to like create stuff. And, um, kind of just took it from there, but I do have like a story that kind of helped kick me off that, uh, not many people know. And, uh, I guess when I graduated from Mercer in 2020, I'm friends with the guy who represents Bob Menery. If you guys know Bob. Yeah. Yep. So I was unemployed, you know, I was trying to play um, in the SPHL, ECHL, which I actually heard for the first time. My friend called the SPHL the Supportive Parents Hockey League, and I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I thought that was so funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I thought that was really good. I never heard that one before. But, you know, the options were limited to play because everything was closed to COVID. So I hadn't really skated in months, and I was so out of shape. And, you know, I was like, am I going to train? Like, what am I training for? Like, my ceiling is not very high you know, I might as well just pursue this media thing. And sure enough, um, I got a call from my friend, Zach, who was Bob's manager and was like, Hey, Bob's looking for a new assistant. Would you move out to LA this week and be his assistant? And I was like, let me call my mom. Uh, you know, I was living at home. So I asked my mom and packed a suitcase and I went to LA for like three months and I was Bob's assistant and, um, kind of got introduced into that world. And then, Bob, like, or uh, Steve Mayer, actually, the chief content officer of the NHL, happened to be a big Bob fan. So I tried to connect them to get Bob to do NHL stuff. And that's when Steve and I kind of just formed a relationship. And then, you know, that's when the NHL stuff started just kind of happening. That is so cool. Yeah, it's a pretty unique, wild, uh, you know, I was couch surfing in Los Angeles for like three months during COVID. That was, you know, how I was living. That seems safe. That's literally risking your life for the craft, my man. That's pretty sweet. But I don't really talk about that a lot. So like anytime I get asked, you know, it's, it's fun to bring up. Well, there you go. Well, it's a podcast. So I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> glad you decided to talk. It's yeah. a good, good one. But uh, yeah. What about uh, what's okay. So like I, you know, this is my second year, you know, uh, I'm not necessarily on the leaf speed. I'm an NHL reporter, but I just, cause we're in Toronto. We cover, I cover every home game. Um, and I've just, I just love, like you said, you know, you're, you're sitting over center ice. You're looking down you're like, holy smokes, if I could sleep here, I would love mm-hmm. doing hockey media, media stuff. What's your favorite like hockey media thing? You know, what's the favorite, your favorite hockey media thing you've done? What's your favorite hockey media thing? Like, what do you love mm-hmm. the most about it? I mean, I've been doing this new thing this season with Bleacher Report. Like this is, uh, it's called the open skate. So I've been yeah. going to like different practices around the NHL and like doing somewhat of a B-reel like skating interview. So mm-hmm. I do a lap around the ice and just ask like, you know, five or six, like fun, quick hitter questions. And uh, it's like, I'm on the ice with like, with yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's like the craziest, like I was in Dallas last Friday for Jason, and, Robertson. Uh, for, for Jason Robertson. And I was just like on the ice, like uh, Robo was like, Hey, Sagan, you mind if we use that end for this like interview? And he, like Sagan's like ripping one timers. I was like, I don't want to get hit. Like, you know, like <laughs> you tell him to, you tell him to move. Uh, <laughs> but after we did it, 
the guys were doing breakaways on Scott Wedgwood. And I went over to the bench to like, you know, finish up the interview, whatever, and get off. But I was talking to Wyatt Johnson and I saw them like lining up for breakaways. And I was like, what are the odds I can get one right now? And he was like, dude, just take my stick and go. And I was like, okay, like, sure. What? So I, I have the, I have the video of it, but I went down on Wedgwood and, you know, I was actually thinking like, thank God I was thinking because Wedgwood had been hurt for like the previous, like two or three weeks. So I wasn't going to go and shoot on him. Like, God forbid I hit him in a spot and you know, he gets hurt and I'm, you know, in trouble. You just have Jim Mill coming down with like a ninja chop. (laughs) Yeah. So I just kind of went in. I like did a little through the legs, like back to my backhand and 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 he read it he read the whole thing but uh it was really cool just to like go down an nhl goalie in practice like with like nils lundquist behind me and like johnson on the bench it was it was a really cool experience i'm 27 and i feel like i was 10 the exact same age as us i was gonna say we're all the same age we're all 27 96 is 96 baby cheers to that water but cheers exactly (laughs) as we all drink water All right, so we've we've gotten to know Hockey. Johnny. He's go. pretty awesome and cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's also I I'm loving this vibe of like younger people getting a chance in media because, I mean, if you look at somebody like me or even like the three of us, there's not a whole lot of people that are in traditional hockey media that look like us, right? Like we have not white hair. Three and white people. We none of us, to my knowledge, have children um or are married and so it's like oh now it it almost feels like there's a camaraderie amongst younger media people because we're all coming up together we all kind of have seen the traditional way of doing things and maybe are kind of finding our own way so i feel like this is kind of cool that there's more of us and we can we can do things like this where we can sit around and talk about like similar years of college experience or similar mm-hmm. like we go to the same bars probably like if I mentioned three bars in Hoboken odds are Johnny has heard of them. Uh, that's, that's not really true just because I don't really set foot in Hoboken too often. Uh, but if you there said you Manhattan, go. yeah, if a you said Manhattan, culture sure. and a man of class, <laughs> I've been to Hoboken yeah, exactly. like one Sorry. time. <laughs> oh man, Carlos, that's the Carlos big shop. That's like yeah. pretty much the, the Hoboken famous thing. That's so cool, Rachel. I've definitely been there so many times and, uh, you know, just know it. So this totally applies to me. And, you know, I feel it's great. I love Although inside my, jokes. I, I would love to. I will say my roommate's there. girlfriend lives in Hoboken. So maybe we'll, we'll get out there. You know, we'll go on a little, little field trip, but it's not like uh, I, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm not dying to go to Hoboken. Exactly. You know, if wanna, you live in Brooklyn, you don't, in you don't need to, yeah, do, you don't need to go anywhere else, man. You're, you're in, you're in Brooklyn. You're, you're fine. Um, Speaking of the New Jersey and New York rivalry. <laughs> I see the yeah. transition there. That's what you're going after? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Nailed that. <laughs> Nailed that. Okay, so you're, you're a New York guy. Mm-hmm. I worked in the rivalry. Um, can you, as somebody who's from, like, Long Island or Manhattan, like, that area, whether it's, like, the Islanders or the, the Rangers, the Devils, can you c- contextualize that rivalry? Because I feel like the Devils Ranger Rangers rivalry is kind of nuts and flies a little bit under the radar. Like some of the cheers I heard working in New Jersey about the Rangers were so offside. Like, why is it like this? Why do they hate each other? I mean, it's it's just as bad in New York too. Uh, you know, I can't even repeat the things I've heard Ranger <laughs> Devil games in the Garden. Um, you know, growing up, especially you know with Brodor and that and all that stuff. But I, I think the thing is, like, the Devils were just the new kids on the block who won right away, right? Like, you know, they came into the league and they they had three cups before I even turned like ten. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know so yeah (laughs) what's that like i have never seen any of my i'm a huge rangers fan huge knicks fan that's pretty much it like i'll support the mets maybe the giants but i don't care about them enough so i've never seen a championship in my entire life so uh you know i'm dying for something but i i think just back to rangers devils like growing up for me the Rangers and Devils were always good at the same time, whereas the Islanders were never really good when I was mm. younger. And then when the Islanders were good on their back-to-back conference finals runs, the Rangers and Devils were not in the playoffs and not relevant. So, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about this rivalry is that the Rangers and Devils have always been on the same wavelength, whether they're good or whether they're bad, whereas the Islanders have, you know, just now started to have somewhat of a window in our, in our lifetime. So, um you know, I think there obviously is a lot of hatred with the the New York City, Long Island rivalry, Rangers Islanders, but just the Rangers Devils and a lot of people in New Jersey still root for the Rangers. So there's that weird little part of it also. Um, yeah. And I'm a Long Island kid that roots for the Rangers too. So like, you know, it's it's definitely all like family stuff. Like my dad was in high school actually for all four years. The Islanders won the Stanley Cup. So like he didn't really he didn't really love hockey, but he like I guess tried to make me an Islanders fan. But my cousin Jason, who's a huge Rangers fan, just flip me at like age five so i don't know i think uh just back to this whole rivalry thing i think it's just all on timing um now that all three teams are in the playoffs you know i think if the rangers go on to beat the devils and play the islanders or the devils go on to beat the rangers and play the islanders you know i think just the tri-state area rivalry as a whole um will be insane so you know i think there were talks of a stadium series at metlife next year i don't know if the teams have been reported yet but back in 20 either 12 or 14, they did the stadium series at Yankee stadium and the Rangers played both the Islanders and the devils, but those two teams didn't play each other. So maybe there could be like a little tri-state area, like tournament or something. Um, I don't know, but it's definitely going to be reborn this postseason. I feel like that's super cool. Like MetLife um, wasn't like too, too far from mm. like one of my friend's places in New Jersey. And I feel like that, like you brought up what happened at Yankee stadium. I feel like if you had like, Rangers, Devils, Rangers, Islanders, Islanders, Devils. Like you just had three games, it was like a three game mm-hmm. set. That could be not only Here's really it. cool for like the growth of the game, but think about all the content you could create out of it. Like you could have an HBO type 24 seven series just surrounding that series. And if you think about like the personalities, right, you've got Jack Hughes and then you've got all manner of personality on the Rangers now with like Panarin, Zabanajad, if Patrick Kane stays there, like, mm-hmm depending and then on the islanders you've got guys like barzell bo horvat's actually a really good personality he just like had Mm -hmm. to suppress it in vancouver um i feel like you could get a ton of content and the stuff that you do with like bleacher report like think about how cool that would be in an outdoor stadium what if you're skating around and you've got jack hughes on one side of you and capo caco who was drafted in second (laughs) on the other side like that could be kind of cool it's actually funny you say that because i i did it at fenway for the winter classic with uh mcavoy and gensel and the Gensel interview, like the second half of it, like completely had to get cut because the band started rehearsing outside and it was like so <laughs> loud. You couldn't even hear a word he was saying. But that was that was a surreal experience also just being out there. And I think the outdoor games, like people are saying they're getting a little watered down because there's so many of them. But when you're actually there, it's it's incredible. There's there's nothing better than like, you know, especially when it's nice out and not freezing. You know, the outdoors and a cool ballpark that you've probably never been to before and you're just there for hockey. Like, it's it's an incredible event. I like it. Yeah, like, I mean, I went to uh, the one at Ann Arbor. 
Um, mm. Oh my god, I heard that was Detroit. freezing. Um, I got frostbite <laughs> on on my toes, and now if I go outside and it's cold, like I can't feel a couple of my toes, so it's like not mm. great. Um, but it was such a great experience, and so for me, like, it's not that the outdoor games are getting stale per se; it's that they nobody knows when they're going on anymore because they're not marketed the same yeah. way that they used to be right when you think about it like the 24 7 that's how bruce boudreaux got his like stardom oh yeah and you think about it now like what if you had just say for example like devil's ducks and you had like <laughs> zegris hughes and and you focused on their personalities kind of thing and and like they're two young up-and-coming teams I feel like there's so much you could do content-wise just because players have so much more personality now. And we just don't market that side of it. Whereas, like, the stuff that you're doing with Bleacher Report, like, we need more of that because we need mm. these players to... Like, we need fans to be able to relate to the players, and they're they're definitely more relatable now. So I feel like yeah. if we did that, we, we, we might have something. Well, plus, I think you got to ask them what they want to do, right? Like, get the players' opinions on what they would – like, what content would they want to see? You yeah. know, get, get that opinion. Like, you know, I think Emily Kaplan's done a great job with her, like, 10-minute feature stories. Um, you know, I, I love the one she did with Hughes last year, and then I think she had one with Zegers also. And I think she had one with Robertson recently. Yeah, she did. Um, it was great. Yeah, she she's done a great job, and she's awesome. And, um, you know, those are cool, too, just, like, going more in-depth on who they are as people. Um but yeah, I mean, getting the players' opinion would never hurt either. Yeah, you, you you bring up HBO, funnily enough, and I look at the Rangers and the Devils' rivalry, and I kind of contextualize them in HBO shows, where obviously the like I, I view all the devil, the Devils and the Devils fans as like Tony Soprano and all the Sopranos, basically, because they are from New Jersey and they're a bit more rough and tumble, you say. And then I look at like the Rangers and like, and this is obviously a direct shot at you, Johnny, because you live in New Hit York. Me. <laughs> um, I look at them as like all the succession people. They're all just like prim, proper. You know, they got their they got their suits on. They're they're eating you know sushi at the games, all that kind of stuff. It's it's almost like a country mouse, city mouse kind of thing. Is as much as you can from uh from I guess sort of like the middle of the biggest sort of concrete jungle there is in North America. But it's it's gonna be a blast. So I'm gonna admit that I've never seen either show. So oh, jeez. Yeah, Me too. So I, I can't speak to Jesus Christ, the comparison, Christ. but I will happily tell you I'm in sweatshirt, a sweatshirt and sweatpants right now, so I'm not wearing a suit. I am the exact same, so okay. there you go. Yeah. Just just so you know, I'm not the the buttoned-up succession guy. Okay. So you're <laughs> – okay. Good. So not all New Yorkers, I'll say. Okay. No, definitely <laughs> not. Not all. Okay, so let's, let's dive let's in. Actually let's actually talk about the game here. Yeah, let's break <laughs> it down. Okay, so, I mean, I've got to kind of hear, like – we'll do let's talk about the goaltending because I Mm -hmm. feel like that is where the biggest chasm is. Um, I mean, you look at all of the public models, like Igor Shosturkin is he's Igor. Um, And it's one of those things where I think both teams are good, but if somebody asks me who has the advantage, like I think the devils have the better team slightly, but the chasm between Igor and either Vanacek or whoever else they put in that is pretty big. Like he's found his game in the last like few weeks. Has he not? Yeah, no, he has. I think he's four, one and one in his last six with a 0.939 save percentage. Uh, I know we're not getting too analytical here, but yeah, he's, he's been really good. Um, But are like, are we really going to say that the devils are a better team on paper than the Rangers? No, no shot. Yeah. no shot. This is a remarkably evenly matched series. 
I, that's why I think like, it's going to be the best series. I think the Devils have certainly been the better team all year and the more consistent team all year, but I don't think they're a better team, if that makes sense. Like, I still think mm-hmm. the Rangers, like, it's it's hard to explain because I still think there's going to be some, uh, you know, mixing and matching and whatnot with the lines because Gerard Glenn always loves to do that. But, you know, my I guess I'm not, I don't know, like, do I get my prediction now or? I do whatever you want. Like, what do you what do you think is because I had I think the goaltending is going to be the biggest difference maker yeah. in this series. Um, but how do you like how do you see it going? Like, how many games? Who wins? What happens? So I think the Devils certainly come out and win game one, and I think they're going to split both games in Jersey and split again in New York, and then the Rangers are going to come out and win game five and game six and take this thing in six. I just think it's going to take the Rangers a little bit of time to adjust to the Devils' speed and figure out you know how they're going to not. Uh, play the devil style, but bring their game to the devils, right? Like that's the key to the series is the Rangers to not allow the devils to control the play. Um, and I think a lot of that is going to be, you know, guys like Jacob Truber, Ryan Lindgren and Nico Mikola on the back end, just honestly intimidating Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. Like, you know, they're two smaller guys. They got a ton of speed, a ton of skill, but you know, anyone who's played hockey knows if you get hit and you know, a certain person that wants to hit you on the ice, you're going to think twice before you make a play. You know, so I think that's what's going to happen. Like the Rangers aren't such a physical team up front, but on the back end, like, you know, Truba's as physical as anyone else in the NHL. So, you know, I don't want Truba to go after Jack Hughes and take his head off. Like I love Jack Hughes. I think he's awesome. And I want to see him do well in the series. Do I want him to win? No, but you know, I'd love for Jack Hughes to put up like five, six goals in this series and, and fall short. Uh, but you know, I think uh, Truba's definitely got to set the tone and, you know, I know Miles Wood for the Devils is going to do the same thing and show that the Devils are a tougher team than they are. But, you know, I think that's just what the X factor has to be in this series is the team that's more physical is probably the team that's going to win. But to your point, you know, Igor is certainly the one caveat, I think, that separates these two teams. Yeah, and you brought up Hughes and Brad. And I think, like, this is one of these, like, weird nerd stat things. But, like, four of the Devils' top six forwards – rank in the bottom 10 like percentile in like Dom Lustrician's heavy score so basically like how are you able to play and so the Devils play like the super run and gun style that's like their they like to score off the rush they they Mm -hmm. generate most of their chances off the rush whereas the Rangers they play a bit of a heavier style it's more what I would call a playoff style right you think about the playoffs there is no run and gun back and forth seven six type of situation and so i kind of wonder like you brought up can a guy like hughes or brat because smaller players have shown to to kind of struggle at least in their first go around in the playoffs because they're not really used to that level of play and when uh we made the playoffs in 2018 when i was in new jersey jesper was in the press box so like this is his first taste of playoff hockey do you think as somebody who's played hockey at a really high level when you're kind of that smaller player, you know you're getting the Truba matchup or the the Lindgren matchup. Is it different in the playoffs because you know that there's probably less space out there, and and so that rush kind of factor might get mitigated a bit. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, you know, if I'm one of those guys, you know, I when I, I guess you know I wasn't really a star player in college, but when I was good in junior, like I, I was, you know, getting matched up against the the better defenseman, and I knew my time and space was going to be decreased heavily. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough for the devils to adjust for sure, but they also have guys like Dawson Mercer that creates off the four check, you know, that they're not a, like they have a lot of good players that not only create off the rush, but 
you know, can cause havoc on the Rangers defenseman. The Rangers can be very sloppy in their own end. And that's another concern of mine too. Like Truba is not the best with the puck on his stick. Like he's not the best at breaking out the puck. Neither is Lindgren, you know, Fox and Miller are probably the two best defensemen on the team that break the puck out. Obviously, you know, Miller with his speed and Fox just with his overall hockey IQ and sense. But, um, you know, the devils can definitely cause havoc and they can adjust their game and they can find ways to take the game to the Rangers. And that's, that's my biggest fear is that the Rangers are going to play devil hockey and the devils are going to bring the, you know, the pace or whatever the word might be to the Rangers. So, um, you know, as far as Hughes and Bracco, listen, I think we've seen some small guys, uh, be successful in playoffs before, you know, I think those guys, you know, I think about like Braden point, who's a little bit more grittier than Hughes and Brat. Um, he's kind of more of a playoff style player, but you know, I, I think that Hughes, you know, the, the first person that came to my mind um, when you mentioned having playoff success, like a smaller guy in his first playoff, and I thought Jake Gensel, but Jake Gensel's more of a shooter and, and sniper than Hughes is. But um, Patrick Kane is probably yeah, yeah, the most Patrick Kane, I guess, right? Yeah, and and Gensel also had the advantage of playing with Crosby, so you know that's obviously a different story. But yeah, Patrick Kane, you know, I'm sure um, is the perfect comparison, and you know, it took Kane time to like what three or four years to, to win a cup. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think, but then again, like Jack Hughes has tormented the Rangers all year. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really just like, I can't wait for this thing to start. You know, I'm so excited yeah. just to, just to watch it unfold. Cause I've been talking about it now for like five days and, uh, you know, I can repeat myself all I want, but I feel like, you know, everything that, that we're talking about is just how it's going to go. What I love about these two teams, too, is that they are teams that were already pretty good, right? Like, you know, the Rangers and the Devils, they were both Metropolitan Division. Like, the Devils, you know, were fighting for first the whole season. The Rangers were still very good. And then they got to the trade deadline. They went, let's just – it's like a nuclear arms race. Let's go. And they – you know, one of them got Timo Meyer, you know, which is a superstar kind of player. And and the Rangers got two cup winners, you know, who – you know, who still seem to have a lot left in the tank and Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, this is, this is quite the matchup. How have, how, how does the impact or, or I guess sort of like the addition of those two players and, you know, now it's the playoffs. We can get on into all the sort of, you know, BS intangible uh, uh, narratives if you want. Um, you know, how much do you, do you think them entering the fold and also the fact that they're, they're experienced, how much do you, do you think that could give New York maybe a hidden edge here? Well, I think Tarasenko is going to have a much bigger impact on the ice than Kane, but I think Kane just being in the locker room is going to have a huge impact on a lot of the young guys because, you know, when he first got traded, all the all the interviews were talking about how everyone idolized Patrick Kane as a kid. Um, you know, like for all the 96s and like the 98s, 99s, like all the people our age that played hockey as kids, like before games, I was watching Patrick Kane highlights to try to get fired up. Like that's the guy I wanted to be, you know. I wore show. 88. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh... None of the 88s are up there, but I were 88 also um, in my younger days. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, just having Kane around to to just be that calming voice, you know, a guy who's been there before. And, and he's going to perform on the ice too, don't get me wrong. But I do think Tarasenko still has more of that playoff style in him than Kane does. Uh, you know, I've watched Tarasenko a lot down the stretch. He's played like 31 games. Um, and he's that pure natural goal scorer that the Rangers have needed outside of Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider last year. Uh, you know, Kreider still can score goals, but he never was known for scoring at such a, you know, high rate till last season. And, you know, I actually think a guy like Frank Vetrano, who mm-hmm. didn't have such high expectations last year, shoot first guy, can snipe, 
you know, really a third line player came in and played first line minutes and really helped the team get to the conference final last year. So I think, you know, that's a role Tarasenko has to take in is, you know, not pass up a shot whenever you have the opportunity because Tarasenko's biggest weapon is his shot. So, um, you know, I think that also opens up a lot of space for the other guys. Like, you know, when Kane's on the ice and Tarasenko on the ice, guess where the attention's going on? You know, and that's yeah. going to leave Trocek open. That's going to leave Panarin open. You know, think about how much less pressure Artemi Panarin has this year as opposed to last year. So, you know, I think last year his line mates were Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp. This year he's got Vladimir Tarasenko and Vincent Trocek. I mean, that's a pretty good upgrade, I would say. So um, it, it's not even just about them. It's what their presence brings to everyone else. Um, really, Naturally, just, just they the... just, like, make everybody around them better because, like, you, you're not paying the same attention to Andrew Kopp that you're paying to Vladimir Tarasenko. And if you mm-hmm. are, that's a, a problem in and of itself, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the combo of... Panarin and Tarasenko because Panarin is more of a pass first player and Vladimir Tarasenko is, has never been a distributor. So I feel like he actually has Panarin actually has somebody on his line now that takes away from him having to be both. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of that where Trocek is that puck recovery guy and he can let the two Russians kind of, for lack of a better word, skill it up and, and go to work. And I think that could be, a difference maker because now you can't just key in on Panarin because he has the ability to fire that pass across. And if you leave Tarasenko open, like you're just asking for trouble at that point. Thousand percent. Um, real quick to, that has nothing to do with this, this playoff uh, <laughs> series, but um, Brad tree living just got fired. Um, oh, as what? We're recording this. Yeah. So oh. I was going to ask you just a little bit about that and like, what's going on with that? Because I think, you know, it's a pretty sizable move. So why don't we take a quick detour Johnny, just to get your thoughts on, uh, well, they mutually parted ways. Yeah, he got fired. Wait, can we, uh, can we just like discuss this a little bit more? Yeah, I was like, gonna say, Brad, like Brad, yeah, Ka- Calgary Flames. I'm trying to find this. Who tweeted it? I want to see Elliot Friedman, and then the Flames. Twitter and Don Maloney has been promoted to president of, of hockey, hockey operations, operations. Yeah. and will hold the position of interim GM. So, assuming, assuming, kind of similar to what happened in Vancouver, like. Don Maloney is going to be Jim Rutherford and he's going to hire somebody to be the GM. What do you think? Okay. Uh, I mean, Calgary, you know, they've been, they're a team that reminds me a lot of like the Minnesota wild, I guess they've just been somewhat mid for the last 20 years. Like they've had, you know, years where they, they, you know, 2004, obviously they went to the cup final and Jerome McGinley, you know, a hall of famer on that team, but was never able to get over the hump. Um, and they've always been competitive. Like I can't remember a season before this year where the Flames just like, and, and they were pretty good this year, but they, you know, obviously are not a playoff team, but, you know, they've been around and been competitive for the last 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, sometimes you just need that extra boost to help you win. You know, like I think we're going to be saying the same thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs if they don't get it done again this year. Uh, you know, the Rangers are, are somewhat similar. The Rangers have been around and, you know, have gone on playoff runs, but haven't been able to get over the hump. They've been to one cup final in the last, you know, 20 years or so as well. Um, you know, I think sometimes you just need a different voice and we've seen a lot of teams do that. And the flames were a huge disappointment this year, especially after that trade. I mean, you know, that, that like losing Kachuk and Gaudreau, and we all thought the, the, the flames ended up winning that trade. I think getting Huberto and getting Kadri. Like, they did. Yeah. It was the yeah. summer of Brad. Yeah. I mean, he did what he could, right? Like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, I think Wait. most GMs would have done worse in that situation yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, but I, it's, it's not, it's not the GM. That's yeah. the problem there. Like, No, but I think sometimes maybe just, you know, it starts from the top and you got to just turn a new chapter, 
Um, you know, obviously that Kadro Kachuk chapter is over, so maybe they just want to start a new era. It uh, look, man, it is it. There's so much that went wrong this season for them, and I think that, like, yeah, obviously it wasn't perfect, but he did so well in a situation that was thrust upon him, like Brad Tree Living. Keep in mind, Brad Tree Living is like one of the biggest Nepo babies, not just in the NHL, but in society. His dad. <laughs> Dude, his dad owns Boston Pizza. He's on Shark Tank. Like, okay, this mm. is not, you know, like I, I I will have to go pretty far and beyond to, to throw praise at him. But like, hey, man, look, he did. He got literally after a heartbreaking playoff loss where they where he led them to a division title. The two superstars on the team, the two fa- franchise faces that they drafted, developed, you know, like uh, uh, all that raised basically from teenagers into men. We're like, nah, we're gone. We want to we want to leave either. One was going to leave in free agency for getting zero assets. The other one just demanded a trade. And, um, and the fact that he was able to, to turn that into, you know, like a, a, a legitimate top pair defenseman. And then Jonathan Huberto, who had gotten 115 points the season before, then signed those two to long-term extensions, like max term extensions before they even played a game and then land the number one free, arguably the number one free agent on the entire market in Nazem Kadri. I mean, Damn, like you weren't expecting your your goalie who got nominated for the Vesna the year before to become unplayable. You weren't expecting, you know, all the, the your coach who won the Jack Adams the year before to basically alienate everyone in that locker room. Like you weren't expecting that. And it just I, I the fact that this is this is tree living and not Sutter is nuts. Yeah. I, I think it's absurd. I'll be next. I okay, so, so I have a an extremely hot prediction. What is it? If the Leafs don't win a fir- the first round series, I think Dubis goes to Pittsburgh and Brad Tree Living is the new GM of the Leafs. I that will... is my hot take prediction. <laughs> no, I, like, like I, I can. Tell, I'm not saying no on your hot take prediction. Like, I'm not saying <laughs> bad prediction. I'm saying no as in like. Please don't do that. No, I, no. Like, I will, I will jump off a bridge, <laughs> like, and that's not just like again i am not a fan of the team i like that was beaten out of me years and years and years ago but just for the sake of the team that i'm covering being entertaining no no thank you Mm. all right so last rangers i guess devil's question how does the kid line factor into this series because last year in the playoffs they were pretty much arguably the best line for the rangers they were in Incredible. And like, yes, special teams are a factor. Like the Rangers have a clear PP advantage and the Devils PK is good. But like, we know that the Rangers have the special teams advantage. Like we don't need to talk about that. But Mm -hmm. the kid line, I feel like was discussed a lot last year Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. And then like they played the most this year, but went super under the radar. So how do they factor in against this Devils team? Because I feel like they've actually got some speed and, and some, some ability to keep up with quote-unquote, how the Devils play. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Ranger fans also will tell you, there, there's so many different narratives, right? Like, a lot of people will say, the Rangers go as Igor goes, the Rangers go as Mika goes. But for me, I think, you know, in the playoffs, it's the Rangers go as the kid line goes. Like, they've been that energy boost, I guess, since last year. Um, you know, and, and listen, like, the teams that have won Stanley Cups in recent history, like, what's the one thing they all have in common? Like, pretty strong third lines and pretty mm-hmm. good scoring depth. Like, that's exactly what the Rangers have, you know? Um, scoring depth is huge, and I think that's something that the Rangers have a much better advantage of than the Devils. I mean, you know, no discredit to their third line of Boquist, Halla, and I think Sharon Govish, right? I think pretty sure that's the third line for yeah. them. Um, 
But, you know, I, I, I'm taking Alexi Lafreniere, Cabo Caco, and Filipino all day over that line. And I think, yes. you know, the the playoff that Filipino had last year, he kind of slowed down and quieted down a little bit toward the end of the regular season, but he had that hot streak, I think, back in March. Um, but, man, I, I think these three just really do play a complete 200-foot game, and they set the tone. And Cabo Caco has been phenomenal below the goal line in the offensive zone, and I think – you know, having his big body down there is going to be a, a big effect for the Rangers too. Just, you know, whether it's protecting pucks and making plays or, you know, even just maintaining possession. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the kid line to me is, you know, the the heartbeat of this team right now, um, if it's not Igor. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of a, a bold take maybe. But, you know, if, I, if I'm struggling, I'm starting the kid line every game. Like, they are the ones starting that have energy. Yeah, I would Dang. start them every game. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Set the tone, right? You, you got these kids; they're motivated. I mean, why not let them mm. let them uh, try real and quick, just set the tone? On my end, what do you think of the the Heedel extension? I think it was totally fair. Yeah. Um. You know, four years. I think four point five per. Um, yes. You know, not too much money, not too much term, right? Like, pretty pretty good deal. Uh, I really don't have much to say about it. I think there you go. You know, I was surprised that Miller wasn't first. Um, you know, I thought extending Keandre cause you want to strengthen up the back end is, you know, a top priority, but also having three strong centers now for the next, you know, four to seven years is pretty important too. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Miller gets because, you know, 40 plus point defenseman with minimal power play time is, you know, also with his reach and defensive ability is probably going to ask for, you know, I would say at least six, maybe, um, I don't know. Reasonable, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not really, you know, I'm so not an armchair GM kind of guy, so uh, that, that's not my not my speed, but, you know, I would imagine Keandre is going to ask for a little bit more, and, um, you know, the Rangers have three good centers now for the next couple of years, so it's awesome. It's I like sweet. it. Can't wait for this series, honestly. Johnny's going to be covering it, so make sure you follow him on Twitter, read his stuff on the Hockey News. Um, it's going to be great. He has a great story up right now actually on on Jacob Truba and like how he's kind of come into mm-hmm. the leadership uh, role of being the captain of the Rangers. Obviously when you're the captain of an original six team, it carries a little bit more weight um, than, than elsewhere. Um, but let's have some fun. So oh, yeah. I have admittedly never seen super bad. Oh God. Come on. Really? I knew um, you were going to say that. Yep. <laughs> so Johnny doesn't know this. Mike does. Cause he makes fun of me all the time. I am not like a big movie person. So like I haven't seen Superman or most of the Avengers movies. Like I'm not an Avengers person. So that that's fair. (laughs) I I don't watch the Avengers movies, but I'm a comedy guy. Like give me, Mm -hmm. you know, any Adam Sandler, any Will Ferrell. Oh, I Uh, love, I love comedy. I just have never, I guess, seen super bad. Um, I am the classic of our generation. Yeah. It's like literally the, uh, our like animal house, our like citizen cane of comedies for our generation. Rachel's I love comedy. Hasn't Mm -hmm. seen the defining comedy movie of our generation. I've seen Step Brothers. That's pretty bad. That's close, but it super bad is it spoke to us at a time Mm -hmm. when like we're all the same age. It spoke, it spoke to us. All right. I'll go watch it and I'll, I'll, text you we, both. we could do a different movie if that's if that's no 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 i want to do super bad because i want to go i want so johnny's gonna pick characters for the main characters in super bad and then when i go and watch this movie in about an hour i am gonna watch it with the lens of what johnny NHL. thinks yeah. so basically the purpose of this i kind of gave johnny like a little bit of a, a heads up it yeah, is yeah, you gotta yeah. pick players who kind of have like the same vibe as the characters in the movie. 
Yeah, you, you're basically just subbing them in for who you think is gonna gonna yeah. fit. I I put five characters down. I don't know if that's too much or too little. Uh, who do you have? I want to see if I got that right. <laughs> so I have Seth, which is Jonah Hill. Yes. Evan, which is Michael Sarah. Uh, Fogel or McLovin, which I don't I don't know that actor's name. And I Christopher Mintz Plus. Okay. I don't even know. That's not him. Favorite. Okay. No, he's he's super popular now. Then I have Officer Slater, which is uh, Bill Hader, and Officer Matthews, which is Seth Rogen. I have those five. Oh, that's what I had. Okay, so my internet research okay. was well done. Okay. okay. Um. So who so are we yeah, going for? Am, am I starting this? You're doing yeah, all of. You're them. doing it. We're. I, oh, I, will, I will commentate and judge you. But okay, so I'll go. I'll go five to one. Let's do it. So I'll go. Officer Matthews, which is Seth, Rogen. Seth Rogen's character. And for that, I put down Brad Marchand. Uh, I think he's somewhat of a, you know, I, I want to like lay the rules, but I really care about having fun a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, you know, in, in the movie, I don't want to be a spoiler for a movie that came out 15 years ago, but uh, Officer Matthews is the one who like drinks the beer at the high school party, kind of just like has a good time, mm-hmm. like when he's busting McLovin and, um, you know, he's the, he's the funny guy who has been, I guess he's, he's new to the police force. Yeah, he's the, the new one. Yeah. He's the new one. But at the same time, he has like a low give a meter. I, can I curse on this or not? I don't know. What's the, I, not, we, we beat it out. It's fine. People I can definitely point. see Brad Marchand being asked, what's it like to, to have a gun and Brad Marchand saying it's like having a second that can kill people. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah. That tracks. Okay, so now his police partner, Officer Slater, which is Bill Hader in the movie, yeah. similar vibe, a little bit more of a like a life lesson, older perspective. More of a loose cannon, too. Yes. Yeah. So I want you to guess who I put for this. I'm, I'm going to say Jacob Truba. No, I actually put Ryan Reeves. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Although... No, yeah, that's that's actually really good. Yeah, yeah I was really proud of that good. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the more I think um, about it, the more it makes sense. So that's the the police duo is mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves and Brad Marchand. So they're here to have a good time, give some knowledge, but also lay down the law. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, that good, tracks extremely yeah. well. <laughs> so I'll go into McLovin, or should I do Evan? Let's do Evan because he's kind of yeah. like the second, the third most popular character. Mm-hmm. So Evan is Michael Sarah, and for that I put Jason Robertson. Because yeah, somewhat yeah. of a you know somewhat of a, a shyer, quieter at the same time, the one who is kind of talking to the girl at the party, yeah. brings the condom, you know, can like be that loose cannon also if he's put out of his comfort zone, and uh, you know also you know Jason Robertson's a stud, like mm-hmm. you know the movie starts with Evan looking at a pair of boobs, <laughs> yep. yeah, as it should be, uh, you know. So I think that's Jason Robertson. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I can see that. Like, I can see, I can see Jason Robertson being very prepared, which is what Evan is. Like, he, you mm-hmm. know, he brings a, a little bottle of lube. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, with him and 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 all that, and he's very sort of like, but he's also and and you you know this from like interviewing him. Like he and I've been in scrums and whatever. Whenever mm-hmm. he comes to Toronto, I've seen him. he's he's like a little bit awkward, like in in a totally like endearing cool way. Like, awesome way yeah mm-hmm. but like he's definitely like you know he's just a big sort of like <laughs> you know like i'm like yeah, when he's in public speaking is is sort of you know like like he he's you can tell he's like he's getting better at it but i feel like evan is you know like when he talks to becca mm-hmm. like he's you know he just has no, no idea what he's doing and and I, I was there for one of his first big toronto media scrums and it 
it was exactly like that. So yeah, I can see that for sure. Cool. Is there another guy you have in mind? That's a that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, it was a tough one. If you're talking about shy and awkward, and it doesn't have to be a superstar, um, like also confident in the same way. Oh, Elias Pettersson. Oh yeah. Okay. He even kind of mm. looks like Michael Seraphine. <laughs> Elias. So, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Okay. I'll go with that. But I, I do I do like your pick, Johnny. I think that's great. Okay. I do like the Elias Pettersson one too. That's a good one. These are these are kind of hard. Uh, yes, they are. So I'll go into McLovin, which is just like the. Oh, I mean, how do you describe him? He's just like the goofy wild card that like no one expects to do well at the party, and he's the one who like lost his virginity. Even though I, I, I haven't seen the movie, and I know who McLovin yeah. is. <laughs> everyone, everyone should. Yeah. Um, and this one, I don't know if you guys are going to agree or not, but I put and, and this might be recency bias because of the the show they're doing, but I put Jeff Skinner. Oh yeah. Oh my god, oh, yes. Yeah. 150%. Like dude, that is some of the best comi- like how are we not talking about that every day? Yeah. The between the two stalls when mm-hmm. what he does like dude, the, Jeff Skinner's comedic timing is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He is 100% McLovin. I can absolutely see him getting a, a fake idea like that. He's also a stud of a player. Like he had a really good year. Like, you know, McLovin was the stud at the party. Yeah. The yeah. stud with the cops. Yeah. Um you know, I yeah, I thought I thought that was a good one, and also like I'm a huge between two ferns fan, so yes, me too. I, I yeah. love the Buffalo Sabers between two stalls. I think it's hilarious. It, also, I can't believe we're not talking about it every day. Well, Zach Dalpy was doing that for the Cleveland Monsters like four years ago. He called it between two posts. I think he did like two oh, really? episodes, but it was oh. hilarious. Yeah, it was Man. so funny. I gotta go watch that now because yeah, like I awesome. I'm with you guys. The between two stalls, like if it's that incredible. doesn't get re- like if that doesn't continue next season, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Are, well, have you seen Between Two Ferns? Yes. Yeah, so it's like so spot on and so it's good. I would love brilliant. to do a show like that. Like that was – I don't know if I have that comedic, I guess, skill, but yeah, that, that is hilarious. And then, you know, to stay in theme of, of the interview and the episode for Seth, I put Jack Hughes. Uh, I don't know if I love that one, but I it's want to – It's got to be – It's like it? a guy – how would you explain Seth? Who is a guy? It's literally like a guy who is way too confident for who he really is. Oh, so, like, but but it's not Bennington. Like, Ooh, I can't, like maybe, <laughs> it, you know what? It might be Bennington. That's a good one. That you know what? That's fair. Um, I also hmm. I also I was just thinking Jack Hughes because like you know Seth is doing whatever it takes to like just be cool. Yeah. And not that Jack Hughes is doing that, but like I love how Jack interview or Jack Jack Hughes does his interviews. Like when they asked him about setting the Devils' points record, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going after that bad boy." Like I love I love that. Like that's that's how these guys really think. Like when they say, "I'm not looking at the stats, the records." Like that's such a lie. Like they all know. You know, I've I've played with so many guys who know exactly how many points they have on the year. They're plus minus. Like everyone pays attention to it. You know, so I think it's really cool that. Jack Hughes does that. And like, you know, I think about super bad and, you know, uh, Jonah Hill kind of pulls off any look in that movie, uh, you know, his outfits and he just like speaks his mind mm-hmm. and kind of doesn't give a shit about like anything besides, you know, being cool at the party. Um, That's and I don't extreme know. Jack Hughes vibe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm insulting him cause I love Jack. Like I love Jack Hughes, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was just like the first thought I had. And plus, you know, we were talking Rangers devils. So I thought it fit the narrative. Yeah. See, it's like 
I, I think that makes sense. But like Seth is just, he's yeah. a guy who is like way too confident for what he actually is. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, he, he, he thinks, he thinks he has a legit shot at Emma Stone in the, the entire, and then he just spoiler, like he kind of does yeah. at the end, but like, not really like, like it's, so it's uh so it's a guy who thinks he's just way better than he actually yeah. is. Jules, you drink. You drink. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I feel like the, the problem is is like ha- like being inside the game like you just you know, know some, so some many well, of guys. He is that good. That's the problem. Exactly. That's exactly. and that's the thing yeah. is like Jack is legit good. So it's like who yeah. thinks that they're just this like incredible guy but actually isn't? Um, I gotta oh, think man, it might be Bennington. Like I, like, I feel like it might yeah. be. I can definitely see Bennington also saying all the scumbag stuff that, that Evan <laughs> does in the movie. Like believe, like yeah. there's every line I, I'm trying to quote here. I cannot say on this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I can see that. I think I think that's a slap in the face to Jack Hughes. Really. I know. Yeah. Yeah. What if you mixed Jordan Bennington and Jack Hughes together? So it's like Jack Bennington. Well, that until, is until we that. until we get that that technology, Rachel, we have to be operating in reality here. Mm-hmm. This is true. I did I did want to be clear though and say that I didn't mean it as an insult to Jack yes, Hughes. I, no, no, I think I think they're going to use this as bulletin board material, John. For sure, they're going to put it up and they're going to beat the Rangers because you compared yeah. him to to Seth. <laughs> um, well, that was that was a bunch of that was, that was fun, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. This was uh, lovely. And it, like, dude, the, this series is, uh, I think this is going to be the, the series of the first round. This is, these are two incredibly well-matched teams and you're going to be there for uh, at least, at least half of it, you know, that's in New York. So that's going to be mm-hmm. great. So everyone go follow Johnny on Twitter, go, uh, go check out the, the hockey news, New York Rangers site that he is now leading. Um, yeah, it'll be a blast. So thanks so much for, for joining us, man. Do you have anything Thanks, uh, you want to plug? Like, I know you've got a podcast, you've got other stuff. So plug away. Let's let's make sure everybody finds mm-hmm. Johnny where they need to find him. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Rachel. I'll, I'll plug the blue crew. And I think we're actually going to be posting a podcast like every game day. Um, Look so we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of extra. I'm, I'm not sleeping till July, uh, <laughs> but you know, hap- happily. So hopefully, and hopefully there's a, a Stanley cup party in between, but um yeah, no, I, I will plug the Blue Crew podcast, get on any podcast that you listen to or uh, platform you listen to podcasts on. And, uh, yeah, I, I try to do um, during the playoffs, like, somewhat of, like, breakdowns of goals. Like, if there's a controversial call, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see a lot of distinct kicking motions that are called on and called off, um, a lot of offsides reviews. So I try to put, like, my opinion out there on, you know, just my playing experience and whatnot to a certain play. Um, so look out for those as well. But yeah, Blue Crew, and, and thank you both for having me. Uh, this was a blast, and um, excited to work with the two of you. Awesome, thanks, buddy. This is this is awesome, and yeah, we're definitely gonna have you back. I mean, I'm sure if the Rangers win, probably gonna have to have you back like in in a couple weeks because they're gonna be fun. I'll hop on whenever to say the word. <laughs> <laughs>